millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Download the BetMGM Sports app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three-pointer. Use code CHAMPION200. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Hi, how can I help you today? As a McDonald's employee, you say those words quite often. But how about when you need help, like consulting a doctor? Hi, how can I help you today? When you work for a McDonald's restaurant, we take care of you like family. With free virtual doctor's visits, including getting prescriptions and refills for you and everyone in your family. Apply today at careers.mcdonalds.com and find out more. The benefits described herein are only available at participating restaurants. I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. I'm here with my friends Jackie and Louie and Let's jump into it today. Oh, but before we jump into it, can I just, I just wanted to tell you guys, I know I have to hog like the first three to five minutes, <laughs> but I just yeah. wanted to, I wanted to share some good news. Ooh. And the good news is, well, for, well, one, I finally did the, the colonoscopy and, uh-huh. and, and the doctor was like, uh, I'll see you in 10 years. And I was like, oh, so <gasps> five years. <laughs> hey you don't need to i was like yeah i know but i'm black so i'm gonna uh, okay but the that that was that was i just wanted to put a, a, a cap. that's fantastic thank you since that was like a um a thing that was um and by the way my prep was wonderful it was excellent prep he said um, oh. so there research <laughs> i love when they say that <laughs> i know it was, it was very ungratifying but um, yeah, I just wanted to put a pin in that because that was like an ongoing saga. So I yes. Just, I like that. But what I wanted to tell you is I started cycling. I really? I think, yes. I didn't think that I was a cycling type of person. Wait, like I, on a stationary bike? Like yeah. on a Peloton? Well, we're thing? the same names. They're not sponsors. They're not sponsors we, yet. Okay. If, they, if they do want to sponsor, if you're out there. We will make it that bike, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so we're not, okay. Saying, we're not saying anything, right. but yes, it's a stationary bike with a okay. screen, with programs. And, uh, you know, I didn't think that I would enjoy it as much as I have. I'm about um, three weeks in. Okay. Yeah, and I am absolutely loving it. I didn't think that, that I would, because I'm, you know, I'm a yoga girl. And yes. Hey, I have a question on that. Yeah. Does the time fly by or do you feel every second of it? That's a really good question. 
um, when I first started doing it, I felt like the first five minutes, because I only do 20 minutes at a pop. Mm-hmm. I don't do like 30 or 45 minutes. I'm, I'm okay. Um, you know, until I, until I meet certain goals and then I'll start doing longer programs, but you, the first five minutes you feel, and then the 10 minutes goes by so quickly. And then you're already kind of hit a stride. And then like the last five minutes, you're kind of like tortured. No, no, you're <laughs> kind of like, no, because it, it starts to cool down and you start feeling, oh. probably do another 10 minutes of this. Okay. What, what are do you, you feeling think? righteous when you get off? Do you feel like I accomplished something? Do you feel good when you get done with that thing? I feel sweaty. Uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and I feel, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel when you, when you get off of it? Well, I, you know, in, in all the thousands of classes that I've taken, which, which is like maybe <laughs> pure um, rubbish. I, uh, oh. I, you know, it, it's painful. You, you kind of get through it, but at a certain point, you just, you just keep going, you know? See, and, I don't feel like I, it's and I, I'm never, How is it on the knees? Like, can you sit? Does it cut off the circulation to like your legs? Like, does it hit the femoral artery when you're sitting on that thing? Does it hurt your knees to be doing that? As a man, yes. No. (laughs) I'm going to say what it hurts, but after 20 minutes. No, no, no. Not for you, huh? No, not for me. Well, you know, the the seat initially was a bit of a problem, I think. Yeah, because you have to adjust it, right? Because I had a problem years ago when I did cycling, and I was like, man, I can't do it. I'm like, killing my knees. I finally found the right position, though. And now that I found the right position, it's zero problems. I don't like, like I would wad up a towel. When I first started, I would wad up a towel under my tush. Yes. Make like a makeshift cushion. Right. And that, and it, you know, once I, once I fixed the settings and I found the right settings, uh-huh. it's not an issue anymore. So, okay. so I know I, I haven't, I, I was worried about that. I was worried that, you know, my knee would be an issue right. that I would be like exhausted afterward. I'm not going to lie. I have had to take naps in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. That's a good sign. <laughs> Are you doing it first thing in the morning? I'm doing it for, well, not first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning is I got to get Lizzie ready for school, but uh, second. Okay. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Ah, okay. Second question. Hydrated as hell when I do it. Okay. Cause it's sweaty and that, which is good. Sweaty's yeah. good. Yeah. Second question. Do you dread going to it or do you feel like a little bit excited going to it in the morning? You know, I do it every other day. I don't do it every day. Ah, okay. So I, because I pace myself, I'm very yes. neutral. So I, I, you know, when I go to okay. it, there's no feeling of dread, but it's also not like, oh my God, I can't wait to get back on the stage. Ah, okay. But, that's a manageable, that's a manageable feeling. That one. So but it's not I, like, uh, right. okay. But then after it's not a dread, but the other cool thing about it is it, you have other classes besides the cycling. You have, um, ah. you've got bar, you've got high intensity. Uh, so anyway, it's just super interesting. Okay. I didn't think I would. Do you need special I, shoes? Do you need special shoes? Yeah. Well, the, 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 well, there's two sides to the pedal. There's one side where you use the special shoes and there's the other side where you just kind of shove your. Oh, okay. But um, I love it. I didn't think I would, but now it's like, I. Anything that gets you exercising and it's not so torturous and it's productive, 
it's not, yeah, but that's I don't find it. it torturous at all. I find it. That's huge. You know, I find it uh, very gratifying, you know, and then afterwards I'll do like some yoga and then, you know, that's it. So I just wanted to share that, that I'm, ah. I'm now officially a cycling lover. Which ah. I thought would happen in my life, but here I am. So there. <laughs> okay. Very nice. I like it. So let's get into the medical news of the week. Well, as we know right now, October is breast cancer month. So I first wanted to give a special shout out to all of my cancer survivors, cancer sufferers and their relatives. In breast cancer news, I've got some encouraging news and some not so good news. So let's start with some good news. The good news is modern medicine has made breast cancer much more survivable. Thanks to advances in breast cancer treatment, the stage one breast cancer survival rate is roughly around 98%. Fantastic. Yes. Stage two is, is also in the 90s. Um, and at stage three, survival rates dip into the 70% range. But that's still pretty, that's still pretty up there, I, I think, 70%. Um, once you get into stage four, well. We'll see what's happening with Shannon Doherty. I don't want to. Uh, so what are some of these? What are some of these uh, uh, modern medicine changes? Well, improvements in genomic testing has enabled doctors to assess whether or not a patient will benefit from chemotherapy, possibly avoiding its potential side effects. Also, doctors have systemic treatment at their disposal, which treats the entire body instead of just the cancer affected area. So doctors can now determine if patients will be helped by chemotherapy, antibody therapy, anti-estrogen therapy, or a combination of them all. Researchers are also improving the ability to identify hereditary cancer syndrome. Doctors can now identify patients who might have increased risk of breast cancer, in addition to the BRCA1 and BRCA2 gene mutations. Obviously, this is fantastic news, but, yeah. but what about prevention education? I think most breast cancer patients would prefer not to get disease to begin with, right? Right. ASCO Pub's expert article report estimates that successful diet and lifestyle changes could prevent 25 to 30% of cases of breast cancer. The jury's still out, of course, on BRCA1 and BRCA2 gene carriers, but I'm sure they couldn't hurt. What do you guys think? Uh, well, I think that's fantastic news to start out with. I mean, that's very reassuring. It makes me remember that I have not been getting my exams regularly and I got to schedule that. And, oh, you know, yeah. that, I get to get over my fear. Yes. You got to stop playing. Anyway, <laughs> I got to stop playing. Absolutely. I got to get on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also be curious to know with the genomic testing, who covers the genomic testing? If you have like really lousy insurance, is it covered? Well, I mean, well, you know, every state has different rules about what, ah. what insurance must cover. So okay. I imagine, you know, with the with the, the push for ending breast cancer and breast cancer awareness and all of this research that, you know, there are, I'm sure there are multiple states um, that have rules that insurance must pay for certain things that are going to, you know, treat and prevent and, mm -hmm. and, and treat and prevent. Does that include the genomic testing or is that just. So for example, when I did the, the when I did, when I um, did the, the testing for. Right. And they found that I had the BRCA. Um, my mother had died of breast cancer. Yes. My father had died of prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. And so that triggers 
the insurance in New York here that they must pay for my genetic testing. Right. And okay. That's now that's that's genetic testing pre-cancer. Now. Yes. Now, right now, what happens when you have cancer and okay. you need the genetic testing to say what's the best um, testing for treatment? Go ahead. My advice, even though I'm not a clinician and I've been warned in prior episodes not to say I'm that I'm not a clinician because I do say <laughs> it. But my advice is that Just prior not. to do, you know, starting treatment you do some research into your your options that your insurance will cover, meaning what, you know, is it Mount Sinai, is it NYU, what places are you covered for? And the reason for that is in the treatment of cancer, I feel, as a layperson, yes. that the community approach is extremely important. By community, meaning it's not just your doctor telling you what to do, it's a lot of people, people that help you fill out the insurance, people that yeah. help navigate what drugs to take. Um, oh, yeah, that whole, entire ecosystem. Yeah, that whole ecosystem or, or community oncology process, which includes the PA, the nurse practitioner, the geneticist, right. et cetera, et cetera, is extremely important to survival and to your long-term mental health. Because, you know, you can go to the doctor and depending on that doctor, he may tell you, well, you've got aggressive you've got aggressive blah, blah cancer. What does that mean? You know, and what yeah. does stage one mean? What does stage two, what, what do all these terms mean? Um, and you know, yeah, we all have the internet, but, but someone who's a, a, an HCP, a healthcare professional, should be able to sit you down and explain to you what these terms are, what your options are, what insurance does and does not cover, and what things you can do on your own that may or may not be expensive. Um, so those are all very, very important stages of treatment. And so is that the social worker at the hospital? I feel like oh, New York has a really that. good system. It's I a hospitalist it. or the patient advocate. Yes, but you know what? The, the, the oncology department is its mm -hmm. own. You, and each month. Ah, they're their own force. They have yeah. it set up. They okay. have everything set up. They have their entire ecosystem of everything. They talk to you about the insurance. Mm -hmm. They talk to you about, you, there's a person for everything. There's someone. Is that the oncology about, department in general or the breast oncology? That's the because, breast oncology. But every, okay. but every oncology department, more or less. I, I, I'm going to speak mostly for breast oncology from my experience. Yeah, because my experience was not that for you know, in New Jersey for uterine, you know, that was not. So I'm curious to know like how, but that was my particular hospital. So I'd be very, not, I would find that very helpful if I'd had like, you know, the social worker and everybody or a hospitalist, you know, or the whole center. So in New York, your experience was that your breast cancer specialist Right. Had a whole infrastructure set and up. a whole team. There's and, a whole right. Team. There's a whole team. There's the, the team that does, you know, all of the um, the screening, you right. know, the MRI, ah. and the ultrasound and all right. of that. There's the person that you talk to about the, the insurance. There's the person that comes in, the, the nurse mm -hmm. practitioner, you know, or the nurse. There's the breast oncologist. There, there's all of these people. Mm -hmm. And all of them deal specifically with that condition with breast cancer, whatever kind of breast cancer. Uh, and so that's that's right. my experience here in New York is pick a hospital, they've mm -hmm. all got their wow system. Yep. 
And I like that. It's a very well oiled system. Yeah, and more and, or less. And for men, okay. Men, what happens is typically your your prostate cancer. Let's start with the most common, which is mm -hmm. prostate cancer. Yeah. Your prostate cancer is caught by the urologist. Now, okay. in many instances, your urologist is not going to want to turn you over to the oncology center and all that. They want to keep you as a patient for whatever reason. Sometimes uh, I want to uh, I want to think that it's always well intentioned. But there's a profit incentive, too, that kind of helps your intentions. So once you turn that patient over, you stop having billable hours, et cetera, et cetera. Whether that pertains or not to your, your doctor, who knows? But it's always good that you then get passed on to a specialist, at least, so that the two of them can talk. And then you enter that community system. So, you know, to give my advice again, it's, it's sort of like, one, try to find out where it is that you're going and who it is that's in charge of the team here and try to get that community uh, treatment so that you can get different perspectives. Your options are explained to you before, not just your urologist telling you, well, we're going to do this one with hormone and this and this and this. Yeah, right. And they're just kind of you know, throwing as many darts as they can to see what you're doing. Without yeah. you knowing what the aggressiveness yeah. factor is, without you knowing what your options and treatment are and, and choices that you as a patient should be able to make. Now, I'm not sure what to what to tell people in smaller. So talk about your experience, because you, you, you said that your experience in your hospital system. Right. It was my particular hospital system and it was a women's health center within the hospital. And I don't know if it's just because the infrastructure for breast cancer is so much more, you know, established than it is for, yeah, possibly. And uh, I don't know, I had to keep walking over there because I worked in the building. So I had to keep walking over there to like get my calls back. It wasn't the best experience for me. So I don't know what they were going through, but my oncologist was not that you know, easily accessible, the PA wasn't. So that was my particular experience. And, uh, but I, I, you know, that was a long time ago and that might not be the case for, well, it might've been that particular. That, how long ago was not that long? Let me see. Well, 2013, 2013. Okay. And also they, I wasn't like, you know, I was only stage one B. So that might've been part of it too. Like it was a big deal to me, but perhaps they didn't see it as such a big deal. And they took a very aggressive preventative, like um, prophylactic, uh, you know, they did the debulking and all that kind of thing. So they were just like, okay, one and done. So it's very possible that because it didn't appear terribly aggressive, like it might not have been like, it not, might not have been such a, a rush for them. That's very possible. Anyway, but uh, what I like what you're saying is that New York and these hospitals have a lot of infrastructure set up to really help uh, the patients and guide them through the whole procedure. Right. That I really appreciate and the care. And, and a lot more uh, preventative and, and, and tissue sparing um, type oh. procedures. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of the, the understanding now is like people don't want to just part with their their organs necessarily if they don't have. To. Ah, yes, I would have preferred not to part with my organs if I didn't have to. That would have made me very happy. OK. Oh, and now we got. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to move on to the. Yes. OK. Two new European studies have confirmed our worst suspicion. Aluminum salts found in deodorants and antiperspirants are potentially carcinogenic to breasts, meaning they're likely to lead to cancer. Oh, 
Yeah. Research has tested aluminum salts on mammalian mammary gland in vitro, meaning on, on you know, basically mammal breast cells and test tubes or on slides. And the test demonstrated that mammary tissue, quote, rapidly incorporated this metal, unquote. 24 oh. hours after exposure to aluminum salt, the cells showed genomic instability, which is known to happen when malignancies form. And we all know that malignancy means cancer. Yes. The World Health Organization says that about 50% of breast cancers develop in women who have no identifiable risk factors other than just being female and being over 40 years of age. Ooh. That's kind of mind blowing. You know, yeah. I remember when I was a teenager, I used to watch my mom apply her deodorant. It was a popular yes. brand roll on at the time. And yes. I remember being disturbed. I just remember looking at her, watching her and being disturbed by the large quantity she'd applied to her underarms. I just remember thinking, and I may have even asked her at one point, why did she need so much deodorant? I mean, it would be outside of her underarms, it was so much. And she would oh, just okay. roll. And now hearing this brings me right back to that. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I'm lucky enough that, uh, uh, in a way, lucky enough that I'm kind of allergic to most dyes. So I, I never use deodorant. And I'm also lucky enough that I'm like the Korean leader where I don't sweat, uh, have any, oh. any type of odors. Or anything like that. I'm just boy. Are you I'm lucky? Because I'm, I'm just the chosen one. But uh, I'm the sweatiest person on the face of the earth. And yes. for a while, I was not yes. using those but aluminum free but, ones. And, yeah, but there's a reason why uh, at the studio here we have a big divider where I have to sit on. One <laughs> no one comes next to. Me. <laughs> well, after this, I'm going to be throwing out my antiperspirant and getting back in gear and buying something that's aluminum free because I think I have aluminum containing one upstairs. So nice. that's my yeah. thing. You know, the natural community has been up on this for a long time. Yes, you know, and I used to use aluminum water. free one. Yeah, and, and a lot of the, the, the brands that, that make um, deodorant and antiperspirants are taking those ingredients out of them now. So um, we don't know why the aluminum was in there because I felt like years ago when I used the natural ones that they did not help. They didn't prevent um, the sweating. And I'm like the sweatiest person on the face of the earth. And I just felt like, gosh, my clothes are like, everything's really damp. And it was just like unsightly. So I felt like it couldn't just be deodorant. It had to be antiperspirant. So do they now have antiperspirants that work that don't I have don't aluminum? know. I think just okay. deodorants that are free of, I, I can't imagine you you could make an, a, an antiperspirant without some sort of aluminum. I, I just- So don't. that might be the essential ingredient that makes it an antiperspirant. It's possible that, that yeah. That, that, that's uh, well, then you know what? We're all just gonna have to live with like wet pits and be like, you know, it's gonna be the new okay <laughs> because- I'm not putting any aluminum in my pits anymore as of I right stopped, now. I stopped user, using um, deodorant years and years and years ago. And now I just use the natural um, deodorants. Um, yes, deodorants, um, you know, the stuff you get at the, the health food store. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is I went and I had um, a procedure called mirror drive. Oh, yes. So I zapped my pits so I don't have um, sweaty pits anymore. And I don't have yes. hair under my pits anymore either. So 
there's that. I'm not suggesting that people go out and spend that kind of money to do that, but you know, I used to stain my shirts and that was, that was, yes, that's torture. Yes. My advice, and I'm not a clinician, my, (laughs) if you have, you know, that kind of deodorant or antiperspirant, please do yourself in the garbage. Yes. Yeah. Delta Airlines is raising health insurance premiums for unvaccinated employees by $200 a month to cover higher COVID costs. Delta Airlines CEO Ed Bastian notified employees that they will face $200 monthly increases on their health insurance premiums starting November 1st if they aren't vaccinated against COVID-19, citing steep costs to cover employees who are hospitalized with the virus, uh, the company said in an announcement. Um, The measures are the latest attempt by U.S. corporation to drive COVID vaccination rates. Delta stopped short of an outright mandate like the one United Airlines instituted. What are our thoughts? Well, what this allows, what this ruling with the Pfizer vaccine being approved allows a company to do is to have selective rules. Before they couldn't be selective rules, but now you can say vaccinated people and unvaccinated people may be treated differently. Uh, Another case in point, Delta is a perfect example of this. And really the insurance industry is the one who's driving it, not Delta. The, you know, Delta made a deal with the insurance uh, industry, and that really helps the people that are vaccinated. It doesn't really penalize the people that are not. Uh, so there's, there's different ways to think about this. Another way to think about this is, and again, if I look at something that's dear to me is the NFL. The NFL is 90% vaccinated in most cases, but there's still a 10% of players that are holdouts. Those 10% players are subject to discipline. Uh, that the other 90% are not. So for example, if I'm not vaccinated, I don't wear a mask, I'm caught on camera not wearing a mask, I get a fine. And that's freaking out a lot of people uh, in the the NFL and all sorts of blogs and tweets and things are going on. And of course, if your favorite player is fine, uh, all of a sudden you you can be outraged. But it's now legal to say, hey, student body left, student body right, whatever the student body right does, does not affect the student body left, and I'm gonna institute two sets of rules. So we're looking at different ways of handling it. The Board of Ed said, hey, it's, it's one flavor fits all, everybody's gotta get vaccinated, yada, yada, yada. Other people are saying, okay, we're not gonna make a mandate here, but if you're not vaccinated, all of these things are going to happen to you and it's going to cost you more out of your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. But what's going to get people vaccinated? Things like this. Money. Yeah. You think the punitive stuff where you're like the consequence is. Right. Because there are a lot of people, there are people who are avid anti people who are like, give me liberty or give me death by COVID. Right. And then there are a lot of people in the middle who are just like, "Eh." get around to it i don't feel like doing it but if you ask them more probing questions they'll say look if it's gonna cost me my job i'll do it if it means that i can't eat out i'll do it we have seen a rise in vaccination rates that's what i would like to know is that what's going on yeah because people are not feeling the pinch because now life is okay convenient for them when life is convenient and you don't have to make a decision you don't make a decision and then when the decision is taken out of your hands People tend to do what they have to do. You want to eat in this restaurant? You got to get vaccinated. Otherwise, mm-hmm. sit, sit outside and shiver in the cold. 
my thoughts on the, the airlines thing is that the airlines have had a, a, a tough time maintaining any semblance of order since the pandemic grounded them and then coming back after you know the pandemic. And you know, although people are flying again, there's still so many people that are not uh, trusting to get on airlines and sit in, in a, circ a box with circulated air for however many hours um, in the air where people are A, not behaving themselves, C, lying, you know, potentially about their, their COVID status because a lot of that is on the honor system. Um, you know, we... You read about these passenger scuffles where they're, they're oh, it's like crazy. You know, we shouldn't also have to worry that the flight crew and other customer facing employees could be exposed or exposing us. That's that's my feeling about it. All right, let's yep. take a break. Okay. Right back. For human rights and social justice, WHIV 102.3 FM. And we're back and welcome back to Urban Health Weekly. And let's jump into our next topic, Merck's new antiviral molnupiravir. Ah, that's how you say it. Well, yeah, molnupiravir, yeah. It took me that's a while, awesome. I had to say it over and over and over, but molnupiravir. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna introduce, I was actually gonna introduce this one and I said, nah, I think you could take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, molnupiravir, or MK4482, is the newest addition to the war against COVID-19. Uh, it came out of Drug Innovation Ventures at Emory, or DRIVE, which is a not-for-profit LLC owned by Emory University. And it previously demonstrated broad-spectrum activity against other viruses such as influenza, Ebola, and a Venezuelan equine encephalitis virus. The work goes back to 2004 when Emory researchers were studying a related compound known as EIDD-1931 slash NHC. Then in March, 2020, Ridgeback Biotherapeutics licensed the drug from DRIVE. Months later, Ridgeback licensed worldwide rights for EIDD-2801 for COVID-19 to Merck. Molnupiravir then received even more federal funding in September 2021, the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, or BARDA, procured 1.7 million courses of the five-day regimen for 1.2 billion, or over $700 per treatment course. Well, how much money is that that they got? Well, they got 1.2 billion, but on the front end, they, okay. they had money. They got money. Well, they didn't get the money directly. The money was given to Emory's uh, drive. Uh, uh, okay. Okay. For drug innovation. So that's where the molnupiravir, that's the, the origins of the molnupiravir. And okay. that was paid for um, by the government. And okay. then the government on the back end yeah. procured the 1.7 million courses of the five-day regimen well, for no. 1.2 billion. Okay, just a little fact correction. Uh, the original research was funded, but the government had nothing to do with it. It was funded and Emory got a grant to do the research from the pharmaceutical industry. Okay. However, when, and then it, it just died there because there was no use for this thing. Summer is right around the corner. And you know what that means. Cooking out, diving in, and soaking up a whole lot of sunshine. The Home Depot has everything you need to start your summer right. 
upgrade your cookout game with Traeger Grills and Smokers. Then gather around a new Hampton Bay patio set with family and friends. It feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot with savings on summer fun. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. So for 16 years, that was money that you spent and nothing happened. And all of a sudden, we wound up getting COVID. So then at that point, the government said, hey, let's, let's, uh, let's give some money here to see all these old things that were laying around in the gutter and all of that. And one of them worked out. And as a result, um, there was a bit of a windfall on this particular product um, uh, or will be a windfall where, you know, now there's an order for 700. How much is it? Uh, 1.7 million doses. Right. For $1.2 billion. For $1.2 billion. So it's and, and it says seven hundred dollars per treatment course is what's going to be right. per patient. So seven hundred twelve dollars per treatment for five okay. days of treatment per person. Okay. Wow, wow! It was important that there was all that money existing. Do you feel like that's what all that money that well, that's between, spent ahead that's of time? Thing. Between two thousand thirteen and twenty twenty, the government awarded an estimated thirty five million dollars in grants to Emory and. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay. Um, right. So that was the initial money that the government right. paid to Emory who discovered and developed Momopiravir. So I'm not incorrect when I say that. Right. And the reason I'm bringing this back to, to Lou is because Lou always has this whole, you know, spiel about mm. the R&D and it costs money and, you know. Right. Always justifying the, yeah. the, the, you know, this drug has been federally funded mm. up the wazoo. On yes. The back end by our tax. Yes. Okay. Yes. Between 2002 and 2020, National Institutes of Health spent nearly 700 million on research funding for the technology underpinning these vaccines. So that's 700 million. And then there's another 35 million. Okay, so now what? 
you know, because an yeah. article from Stat News cites that the actual manufacturing cost for a five-day treatment course is estimated to be around twenty dollars. Twenty dollars, which is a fraction of the unit cost of seven hundred and twelve dollars, and that price mm -hmm. includes raw materials. Okay, it includes right. the encapsulating of the medicine and the packaging of it. So. Please tell me where this R&D money, where the justification is for this price of $712 per treatment. Okay, Please, so this drug existed since 2004, okay? okay? Let's do some math here. Okay. 17 years, this thing just sat there in the warehouse, like the Indiana Jones warehouse. You remember that warehouse? Yes, yes. That's okay. not exactly what happened. Yeah. Ridgeback, Ridgeback, we got into a little bit of trouble and they kept going back to the government for more money. And the government said, no, you already got enough money. And then so that's say, when- You're saying that Ridgeback maybe mismanaged a little yes, bit. That's okay. Uh, Mark swooped in and actually created, made a product out of it. The, this, uh, this no, a they didn't. Of, they didn't. They licensed it. They, they licensed, licensed it. Uh, they, 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 no they threw money at it. There was there no R and D. There was no. Tell me where now they're going to profit. Are you if saying they, that Merck is now going to profit? They need to market. This is pure profit for them. This is pure. But profit. also, the market is. A, they've already got systems in place to bring things That's to market. That's what I'm saying. There, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes in here. You know how many papers they had to get written. How much oh, clinical trials had it. But they already have that system in place. That data is already have. there, but because the data is there, doesn't mean that it's filed. It doesn't they mean that it's approved to, by the they government. Didn't have right. To search it. They did. There was no discovery. <laughs> Okay, this, this, they licensed the product that already existed that would, that was already paid for between Emory and Ridgeback. Okay, so they got it at you know I'm not I, I don't know the number that they they paid for it, but this is money yeah. that this was this is found money. Yes, no, it's so that's money. A it's a fantastic investment. It yes. is found and then money. on the front Mark, end, Mark has three. Years. And on the front end, they they got one point two billion for it. So where's the research and where's the discovery? Where is it? Now, first of all, Mark only has three years to monetize this thing because in three years, it's going to go Canadian pharmacy or wherever. It's going to go. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about $712 per, per course of treatment for something that cost. only cost them 20 bucks to not only create, but it is. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, Course that goes into Blue? preparing for the if filing. If you really want to go down a little bit deeper, it yes. doesn't cost them billions of dollars to to to. Yes, the there's filing. a lot of. Costs. Tell me, show me your costs. Show me your costs. Okay. First of all, just like there's this. Show drug, me your costs that like adds up to seven hundred and twelve dollars. There's thousands of drugs <laughs> that that don't come to fruition. Twenty percent of all revenue spent by drug by U.S. drug companies, mind you, goes to R and D. Without that R&D, we wouldn't have our vaccine. We wouldn't have all this stuff that quickly. We wouldn't have had this that quickly. Why? Because it was 90% of the way there. A lot of stuff stops at 90% and there's money spent on stuff and you never see dime one. If we wouldn't have had COVID, this money would have just gone goodbye and, and it would have just sat there. There wouldn't, there wouldn't, the patents would exist, but there would be no useful application for the patents. Now, Mark, and, and I know I'm sounding like poor Mark, but look, Mark only has three years to monetize this. In the, this, this was patented in 2004. In 2024, this patent goes away. That means that every generic can manufacture this. 
So you've got three so, years. So, 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 okay. That is some real like believing in corporate profits. That's what I'm hearing oh, from Lou. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm getting ready to say. So, so, yeah, scoop the cream off the top before anybody huh. else does. That's what you're saying, right? Yes. That's what it's like. <laughs> those companies are there to make money i mean what do you think turns on the lights what do you what do you think has that machinery going what do you think has that pipeline going of stuff i i want to i want figures give me some figures i, I just, just gave, gave you some fig figures i just gave you no figures. you didn't My give figures me figures what yes, I did. your figures <laughs> you did not give me figures no. I'm asking, <laughs> you're Why? talking about all this paper filing that costs 700 do you know how much money billion you got to do publishing. Oh God, you got to do clinical trials, a secondary clinical trial Jackie on the drug. Saved, what people would call it. I got to tell you, I have to go with Tammy on this one because. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Show me your costs. Yes. There was Adam, no one with COVID in 2004. They had to find people. This is you being a believer in, in this corporate. This is completely outrageous. The goodwill of corporations. It's, there's no, there's not goodwill. It's pure profit. And, um, yeah, I, there's no reason for it to be that kind of price. Why does it have to be like that? Oh, there's not one. Not when it costs them 20 bucks, uh, you know, 20 bucks a pop. Not even 20, but it's more like $17 uh, and change. It's um, a manufacturer, but they had to find people with COVID and do clinical trials with COVID. Do you think those are that easy? They're not paying people to do these clinical trials. So again, where are your figures, man? You're paying doctors, you're paying clinics, you're paying for recruitment. You ever hear the commercials? Or if you've got this and this, you can join our clinical trial. Those things cost money. All of this costs money. That's not, okay, he's killing But me. also, killing yeah. Me. Because he's yeah. not answering my question. He's a believer. He's a believer in, in, you know, corporate system and the, and, you know, He's a believer. It's all I, I can and say. I'm not saying that I'm not a believer in R and am just saying that you know there has to be there has to be a cutoff, a demarcation for R and D recruitment and gouging the consumer. And this is starting to get not starting to get. This is this is these are gouging prices. This is, yeah, it's excessive profit. That's really that, that's unnecessary. It's on the back of necessary because they've yeah. made the money. Okay, you know, so it, insulin is $12 in Canada and it's $100 here in the US. Yeah, it's so, about, that's just about savvy money making by corporation. They're designed for that. And they're profiteering on, on medical care. It's, well, I get it, it's a whole issue because, you know, I have a little bit of a beef with that. But Louise coming from the position of, R&D, and if you're going to go through R&D, you got to make money and blah, blah, blah. And okay. All right. And, and I get it that insulin's insulin, even though there's like 30 types of insulin right now. Right. Um, depending, but I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say. You're here. feeling that it's special because it, this is really like a one of a kind, the first one out, it's COVID, it's the pandemic. Yeah, nothing against Canadians. Yes, I'm it's sure it's we got you know, <laughs> how, many, how many drugs have they discovered or, or, or brought to market? And that's what he always says. He okay, always exactly. Says, well, they, uh, they didn't create the for... drug over there. They sell you these old products because they have price control. So all they do is like, oh, we, we've got this 1902 insulin that was discovered by Louis Pasteur or something. Please and tell I'm, me how I'm insulin has name. changed over the years. It has. I, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not, I'm not no. a healthcare provider. I'm, no, oh, oh, now you're not I, a healthcare provider. Okay. 
<laughs> that's a common because somebody will oh. next thing i'll do is tell you to check clorox i hear the whir of bicycle spokes <laughs> that was a backpedal <laughs> i think we're ready for our next story okay. or a topic of the day so basically you Actually, have not made your case yeah. so we're in agreement that yeah. this is complete um the war profiteering, as you I like it. It's war profiteering. Uh, Absolutely. All right. Yes. Well, now the queens have summarized this. Uh, we do need to take a break. <laughs> and okay. we'll be right back with this week's topic. WHIV 102.3 FM. All right. So we're back. My job is still secure. I was told uh, <laughs> that I am not fired. Even uh, I am always always <laughs> Even but I do had, have opinions. He had no fingers. Uh, but today, I, my finger <laughs> is on the button, so I can just shut this down. So be, be, <laughs> Oh, and by the yeah. way, a spokesperson from Merck, just to pick up on that last point, a spokesperson from Merck wrote that the company is, quote, committed to providing timely access to Molnupiravir globally if it is authorized or approved and plan to implement a tiered pricing approach based on World Bank data that recognizes countries' relative ability to finance their health response to the pandemic. Sounds good, but let's see what happens. Show me the money. Yes. All, right. All, right. All right, so now well, on to this, this week's topic. topic. So take it away. And this week's topic is preventive care has been sidelined by the pandemic. In 2020, the arrival of COVID-19 on our shores has had an outsized impact on the U.S. healthcare system. Obviously, the most immediate impact has been the death toll, with the pandemic having taken more than a half a million lives as of April 16, 2021. But the pandemic has also brought a set of healthcare system challenges, chief among them being when and how to resume pre-pandemic preventive healthcare. The question on everyone's mind is how do the risks of leaving home for medical checkups stack up against the risk of infection and possible serious illness or death from exposure to COVID? In March and April of 2020, most medical offices either closed or dramatically scaled back schedule appointments to the most essential. I actually remember getting calls, canceling my appointments during that time. I remember also, that too. People also canceled their own appointments in order to avoid interactions and not contract the virus. This included reductions in outpatient visits, emergency room visits, and elective surgeries. So let's take a look at some of the medical services that were sidelined by COVID-19. Obviously, births were not sidelined because you can't schedule can't stop that. Can't schedule childbirth, but things like mammograms, Pap smears, colonoscopies, vaccines, ultrasounds, pelvic ultrasounds. These things, I mean, took a huge, huge hit. You you can see from this chart here, and I'm going to yeah. have a link to that. That between March and say June of 2020, these, there was, some of them went into negative 88%, all colonoscopies Unbelievable. negative 86%. Uh, Pap smears, negative 78%. Mammograms, negative 75%. Childhood immunizations, negative 59%. I mean, that's just to name a few of the really important preventive services that people really need to stay on top mm -hmm. of. And by the way, as a result of uh, a lot of these, uh, this, this lack of, um, of preventive care, doctors are now coming, having people who are coming back and 
coming in with later stage uh, diseases uh, was they because they didn't keep their 2020 appointments. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's awful. I, I put off mine. Some of my stuff got canceled and then I didn't reschedule it. Colonoscopy, got to schedule that. Breast exam, I didn't get mine done. Well, I got to get mine done. At the beginning of COVID, I was so paranoid. I, we weren't really sure how it was coming. So I, I was afraid of the mailman. I would, yes. avoid, I would avoid that. I was sure that it was coming through my mail. Uh, it was in the mail. And we would spray with alcohol. And was ah, I was doing that too. And right. Spray the groceries. Everything. Yes, the uh, groceries. It took forever. Hazmat suits for everything. Oh yeah. So so let's not let's not just say that he was only going to the doctor. Then here in New York City, for whatever reason, people decided that it was Chinese food, um, and that wasn't helped by the president at all. And a lot of Chinese uh, restaurants closed, uh, some some permanently too, some good ones, because people weren't going there because, you know, well, God forbid you can't eat that kind of food because that has that has COVID. But pizza is safe. You you know what I mean? And yes, it just it just depends on what insanity. But the the thing about medical processes is that it usually involves people. Um, usually, and it involves people in, in close contact. Proximity, and, yeah. And I, I don't even think the PAs and NPs were all too keen on. And on, we knew so very big, little back stuff. then about the. Disease. And there was no vaccine back then. No vaccine. No, no, yeah. there was none. Now, the, the next thing that happened, now, one thing that I did do, um, and I know I'm taking up a lot of time here. No, please go ahead. <laughs> Good stuff. One of the things I did is I, I did my own blood work. I just took my stuff to Quest Labs. Uh, oh, can I mention that? No, you shouldn't. Oh, well. Just say you took it to a lab. I, so I took it to my local lab that I use, and they were able to just give me the blood work, and I looked at the results. And again, no, do the disclaimer I'm not a healthcare provider, but they kind of looked normal and they were all within range, and at least I did that much. Wait, did you uh, go to your primary care hard. physician? No, he did not go to a primary care. I was going to say, this does not, this does not <laughs> substitute in any way. How did you get a script? Body. How did you get a script for a blood draw? Oh, they'll, oh. they'll, as oh, long you as you're paying, they'll do whatever you want. Yeah, you anyway, can go. You don't need any permission. You yeah. only need permission uh, when you want your insurance. Really? Yes. Yeah. But you go. Oh. So you paid out of pocket. Yes. Yeah. I paid out of pocket. Oh, um, yeah. Say how much it cost me. You can say how much it cost. Okay. I'd be very curious. It, it cost two hundred and fifty dollars, and I did the men's metabolic thing. I did uh, my cholesterol. I did. Uh, I did about five or six tests that I thought were pertinent to me, and I I got all my hormones, my BPH, all all that stuff. Two fifty. Uh, yeah, for two fifty. And they give it to you and send you a nice report. And then there's, there's plenty of labs that do it. I know I mentioned the one that I went to, but there's okay. at least oh, five yes. or six, there's this at least five weird. or six yes. labs. They don't, they don't go, like, they don't stare at you and go, uh, I don't know how to do this because it's not like in the system. They don't like it. So they're set up. To oh, they're set up. Like that. Yes. They are set you up to do ask, it. You can pretty much mm-hmm. ask for what you and want. You I'm pretty it. sure I've never experienced that in New Jersey. See, wow. when the doctor orders it, the results go back to your doctor. Right. When yes. you order it, the results yeah. come back to you. Yeah. And oh. another, another benefit, because I know that I just got doctor shamed, but <laughs> another benefit. You have to be a doctor to be doctor shamed. Yes. You're not a doctor. <laughs> right. 
But uh, another benefit is that I got my results within, I would say, 48. Supposedly, you get them within 72 hours. Within 48 hours, I had all my results. So, but, but let me ask you a question. Do you really want to entrust your pelvic ultrasound results to just the, the person who's doing the pelvic ultrasound? Or do you want to? No, that's a great thing. Yes, you, you cannot. It is saying. the interpretation of the this results. Is why, yeah. you know, and this right. is part of the reason why, why telehealth um, has experienced such a boon during this time because it has eased the path for people to get the care they need without having to go and risk themselves and go into a doctor's office. There's certain things that you just, you know. Cannot outsource, can't, you right. can't do on your own. Right, okay. exactly. and you, you just kind of have to do them. And I think this is why it's so important for people to get vaccinated. I know there's a whole thing going on now with people not wanting to get vaccinated and my body, my choice. I just want to know, is this really the hill people want to die on? Apparently some people do, but they're determined. But for the rest of us, I'm getting vaccinated is all I'm saying. I'm vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so just the, the, the utter destruction of, of um, preventive care and, and medical services just kind of going down the tube and still hasn't really come back, um, not properly anyway. Um, is it all bottlenecked now? I would think um, some of these. Uh, no, because a lot of people are still, a lot of people still are still gun shy. Yeah. Like, you know, okay. looking at these figures going into to, to 2021, they still haven't really quite come back. They still okay. haven't. Pap smears, okay, have come back. Um, mammograms and immunizations have come back, but the numbers are so small. Colonoscopies, uh, only 10% have come back. This is not conducive to overall wellness. Did you guys slow down in bringing um, your kids to the pediatrician? You know what I'm saying? Like, did you, like, I didn't have any, there was no slowdown. My, my pediatrician's office, I'm very comfortable with. So my little guy got all his shots, no problem. But yeah, they I, did say mm -hmm. that there were some people who were delaying, that they did have like, you know, that was my personal experience. Well, what I did was, um, right. Registered her, you know, she stayed in the car. Ah. Time and then they call me and then right. go in so that we're not sitting there in the, in the, um, right. In the waiting room. Yeah. We had that too with separate entrances and everything. And they were really just super professional about it. It was really smoothly run. Yeah. The only thing that made me nervous was everything took so long. It was like, look, her appointment is at five o'clock. Why are we still here at like five? Ah. I don't understand this. You would, would think you would want us out of here as quickly as possible. But I think part of that might be because, you know, kids weren't necessarily affected the same way adults were affected. Yes. You know, although this new Delta variant is, is, is hitting children, but they're finding that a lot of those children that have been hit with the um, the Delta, they had underlying conditions. I don't know, did you read that? I read that they found that a lot of those children had underlying conditions, but that's not to say you, you shouldn't still be cautious. But then in any right. other, answering your question, that's what I did. I did not delay her, um, her care at all. Hmm. Well, I'm resuming my healthcare life. That's what's happening oh, over here. Yes. But I, mean, I did delay it, I delayed it. But a lot of what I do, a lot of what I do is, is I, it's the telehealth. You know, if I don't have to go in, I'm not going in. 
Um, and if I have to go in, I'll go in and I just would make sure to wear my K95 mask. I mean, I am vaccinated, but I make sure yes. to wear my mask. Um, I stay outside for as long as I can. Uh, and that's it. You know, when it's time for me to go in, I go in. I don't hang around. But everyone's masked up. It's not like people are it's not yes. like at a supermarket and it's like a mixed bag. Like everyone in the doctor's office is wearing their Yes. Mask. Yes. <laughs> when I when I went for my uh my annual, I remember um I said, Can I wait outside? <laughs> and I just stood outside and she, I said, I'm a very nervous person. And I just went and stood outside. And she had no problem with that. She called me. It was really easy. That's so, so sweet. Yeah. I was just like, I'll be outside. <laughs> you didn't feel any need to apologize or be no, shy because about because they understand they understand right you know they, they, it didn't even need to be explained to them so I just said I'll be outside and I'd wait outside and then you know I would check back periodically if my name was called and that's it yeah. I, I would just you know changing the, the the topic line a little bit is that in about two years um, when you know the all these diagnostics do catch up, uh, we're going to have uh, a small cancer epidemic, or we're going to have a lot of uh, stage uh-huh. all of a sudden be diagnosed as stage twos uh, because which, of this delay. I don't want to call it the best case scenario, but that would be the best case scenario that the stage ones uh, become uh, stage twos. Um, in they're terms already of- starting to find that from the people who are coming back. So just imagine the people who are delaying into year two, what's going to happen when they decide to come back in year three. And then mm-hmm. are they going to come back because they finally have symptoms or are they coming back because it's time? Yeah. Well, I know what I'm doing after this. One, I'm scheduling my breast exam. Two, I'm scheduling my colonoscopy. And three, I'm throwing out my aluminum deodorant. And uh, <laughs> so that's my takeaway from today. Right. Right. But but just know that if I yeah, if I you know touch wood then you don't get anything. But if you do, at least there's hope. <laughs> yes. Very good. That's true. That's true. Well now that now that we've closed Mark down, I don't know what but uh but um in in terms of uh in terms of uh, diagnostics and everything, yeah. But I think that what we said earlier on all fronts is eat healthy, eat her- healthier. Uh, make sure that weight is controlled. All, all the things that that contribute. Work out on your stationary bike. Work out more. Or, or work or take a, a brisk walk around your neighborhood. Doesn't have to be a shisha yes. bike. Correct. Um, well, you could go to your local playground and you can run around the track, or you can you know take your little hand weights. There's things that you can do that don't cost money. Mm-hmm. Correct. To, to just getting out into the sun and having, you know, some fresh fruit and vegetables instead of, uh, you know, having a, a burger and fries, you know, back away from some of the comfort food and try to, you know, have uh, more, um, less processed foods. Right. That'll definitely put you in the right direction. Whole foods, whole yeah. food, plant-based. Yeah. Plant-based is, and right, yeah. you, you hit it right around the head, which is red meat. Um, you know, nothing wrong with red meat, but it has to be eaten in moderation. Uh, it shouldn't be, you know, some doctors say more, not more than once or twice a week. That's that's my belief. I, I don't know if there's any science. That's one or two times a week more than I care to eat. Yeah. That's so, uh, you know. You're I mean, zero red meat. Ooh. Oh, absolutely. But to each his own. Yeah. Look, right. Oh, I, I had red meat growing up. It was very delicious. 
But yes. I just, when I became uh, an adult, it just didn't agree with my um, system. And I just, just decided to put it aside. Right. And I, I can't even, and as a red meat eater, I can't even tell you right now, the last time I had red meat. Wow. It's been a while. I have moved to a uh, whole food plant space. No, I, yeah. I have not cheated at Burger King or anywhere. Um, wow. Long, long time. Did I just mention you another just brand? Mentioned. Oh, my. Ah, God. You I haven't cheated at the fast food restaurant. Burger King, McDonald's, Burger uh, Joints. If I mention them all, Jack in the Box, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> So I mentioned you all, so you're all in there. He's such a child. I yeah, yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh. But I think definitely people should absolutely see their doctors. I can't stress that enough. See your doctors because you can run all the tests and stuff you want, but without preventive care, there is no prevention. Okay. Okay, and I, I do Sounds have some, good stuff. Yeah. And I do have one bit of advice that's very timely. Just this morning, McDonald's announced the McPlant. So being that I um, uh, mentioned some of those names in McDonald's now, there are healthy options and you can actually have a plant-based uh, burger that's supposed to be delicious. It's only going to be introduced in 800 or so of its restaurants nationwide. But if it's a success, it's going to be rule, it's going to be rolled out worldwide. Uh, burger wow. King is already using uh, Beyond Meat. I've personally tried it, and I, I'm telling you, according to me, it is actually quite tasty. I, 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 I didn't. You liked I didn't it? Yes, difference. I did like it. Yeah. It's just as many calories, which I found disappointing. Right. Yes. I go, okay, I'm getting over on it, and now I can order it all. No, no getting over. But you know, you're, probably you're, easier to yeah, digest. It's plant based, and and it's easier and it's to digest, and you're not Listen, having that red meat hormone. Get to meet people where they're at. You know, you can't you can't uh, just say, "Well, you it's know, a process." Eat. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So there are choices out there, and you know, try to make better choices. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have. I had so much fun with you guys today. I did too. And I want to thank everyone out there for listening to Urban Health Weekly. And we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time.
Summer is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Cooking out, diving in, and soaking up a whole lot of sunshine. The Home Depot has everything you need to start your summer right. Upgrade your cookout game with Traeger grills and smokers. Then gather around a new Hampton Bay patio set with family and friends. It feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot with savings on summer fun. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.